CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. All right, right now in Options Action, the final frenzy for the last-minute Christmas shopping and the prepping for the flood of sales after Santa says so long. We're going to break down two retail trades straight ahead. Plus, Tesla still sliding. The stock finishing the week down. It's now so beaten it up, beaten up that it could be time to make use, uh, make use of options to charge up an EV trade. And later, as the S&P has limped its way through December, gold's been hanging in there quite nicely. It's now time to get bullish on bullion as we head into 2023. A bright and shiny show on tap on this frigid and frightful Friday night. I'm Frank Holland from Melissa Lee. This is Options Action, live from the NASDAQ market site. Here tonight, Carter Worth, Mike Coe, and Brian Stutland. Great to have all three of you here. But we begin with a look at some of the notable stock names with outsized options activity this week. Single names like Boeing, Microsoft, Dollar Tree, Amazon, and of course, Tesla. We've also had some big volume in ETFs, including those representing the S&P, the NASDAQ, government bonds, the industrial sector, and high-yield corporate bonds. So let's dive right into it as we head into this holiday season home stretch, a tale of two retailers. Best Buy and Dollar Tree spending the better part of two years diverging, but the option market thinks they're about to trade places. Mike, you have much more on that big trade. Yeah, so there was a lot of activity in both of these names. I mean, first, let's just take a look at Dollar Tree. Dollar Tree traded more than 50% above average put volume this week and going into the holidays. That comes as a little bit of a surprise. Uh, One of the big trades we saw was a purchase of 9,000 of the February 145 puts. Now, some people might think that Dollar Tree is one of these names that would be a good place to go if inflation-pressured consumers might want to go to a discount retailer. But in fact, the opposite appears to be true. This is a company that's got pressured margins, trading over the S&P valuation. So it seems like somebody sees at least 9% plus to the downside over the course of the next couple of months. Also in uh, Best Buy, and I'll just get to that real quick because I know that Carter is going to compare and contrast these two. The March 67.5-55-40 put fly traded in really good size. We saw that go 3,000 by 6,000 for a buck 14 earlier. Now, this is a different case because I think this might be a hedge against a long position. If you take a look at that middle strike, that's essentially representing the lows that we've seen in, in Best Buy over the course of the last couple of years. I'm talking back to the fourth quarter of 2018 and also the pandemic lows. This thing is trading at a much cheaper valuation and actually recently has been putting up some pretty good numbers. All right, Mike, sorry to jump in on you there. Uh, Carter, what do you think about Mike's trade? Well, that's right. We have uh, two diverging circumstances, or let's say this now converging. And I think we've got some charts that would depict that quite clearly. In terms of Dollar Tree, this has been a great winner that is exhibiting all the things one doesn't want. The price volume correlation is bearish. The relative performance is poor. If you compare that to all of the retailers that are bottoming from Urban Outfitter and Gaps and so on. Now, look at that chart, breaking trend, and then compare this to Best Buy. It's, it's literally the opposite trade. So this is a loser that's now emerging. You can draw it with a trend line. You can also look at the next iteration, which is a uh, sort of a head and shoulders bottom. But either way, one is reversing from bad to good, this one, and the preceding one from good to bad. Let's put them together. So here's a comparative chart, final iteration, and you you can see how the arrows are drawn. I mean, over the past Mm -hmm. three years, one is up 
50%, the other's down 20%. I mean, they're changing places, and I think one bets accordingly. All right, moving on to Airbnb. The stock losing about half its value during the last year, now out of the pandemic pan, but possibly into the recession fire. Does the options activity suggest that this stock is cooked, Carter? You know, that's great. Out of it's you're in the pandemic pan and now you're in the recession. That's perfect. I mean, that says it all. Uh, and the chart is terrible. It is hovering, I would say, ominously at its uh, June low. And the presumption is it breaks and it breaks hard. Brian, what do you think? Well, the options activity that we saw was bearish, right? It was it was put buying, and interestingly enough, put buying right ahead of their earnings date, or right after their earnings date, I should say. So some of that activity playing to the downside here. And the reason being, really, you look at the last earnings on Airbnb, and it moved 13% to the downside. So there's a lot of nervousness in the stock right now. And if you're sort of hesitating from playing the consumer discretionary, Best Buy is a quality value name I like in terms of, in terms of consumer discretionary plays. Airbnb, a little bit more riskier here. And so it makes sense that there are these put buyers, that 1,600 puts that we saw trade of the 185 puts. Again, I mentioned right coming, you know, that play expiring right after their earnings in February. So this is a play to the downside. You've got to be very careful that that continues to the downside, especially if we enter sort of this recessionary or downturn in the market. So to your point, if we are headed into a recession, in fact, well, the high yield area, that might be somewhere we might see some growth um, I'm going to come back over to you, Carter. What do you think about the high yield market, which traditionally be one of the first areas where the bottom would fall out, but it's been holding up pretty nicely over these last three months? Right. After sort of getting decimated, if you will, it has held up, but it, it has no torque. There's no, I don't think, potent, there's no potential for a real bounce. Look at an all data chart, and actually this will put it in the context. So this is, uh, I mean, since inception, interestingly, of course, been basically going down. Those, those plunges and recoveries are, are, are moments in time that are quite clear. That's the 0809 plunge. That's the industrial earnings recession of 2016, and then the COVID. But what you'll see, of course, is it reverses fairly quickly in 16 and 20, but it didn't in 0809. And this is more analogous to that. It's down and it's staying down. And I think that's the problem. I, I would not want to be long HYG. Mike? Yeah, so this is an interesting situation because, you know, you take a look at the high yield market. We know why it's been pressured recently. We've been seeing increases in rates, not a particularly high duration uh, basket of bonds in this thing. But what we have seen over the course of many years now is historically low levels of default. And, you know, credit spreads, although they have widened, aren't really that wide yet. So if we do start to see, as a result of some economic pressures, increases in default rates, this is an area of potential weakness. And that is actually what somebody is betting on. We saw some big, big trades in the HYG ETF, the April 6660 put spread. That thing traded about 100,000 times over the course of the week. Now, this is a bond fund, so it's not going to typically move the way uh, you would expect really high volatility stocks to do. So that actually cost very little. I think it could be a form of a tail hedge. But uh, to your point, oftentimes, it's the credit markets where the ice starts to crack first, if you're looking for potential downside. And we did see that. And actually, we saw some other signs of potential economic weakness in XLI. That's the industrials ETF. We saw someone pay $1.92 for 45,000 puts in that one as well. So both of these are areas that are tied to the economy. Both of these are areas that saw a lot of put buying this week. All right, we're going to finish out with Tesla, seemingly in the headlines all week long and all year long. And seemingly for all the wrong reasons, CEO Elon Musk just late last night promising he won't sell any more stock until 2024 at the earliest. He has made promises before. 
Carter, you say now would be the time just to kind of nibble at this name. Well, I wouldn't do it based on that. I mean, imagine if you have a company and the C is out, any company saying, I won't sell any stock. You're like, what? You're never supposed to sell stock. So anyway, the thing is this. There is no valuation here. You've, the street is all over the place. At some point, you do have, in any security, an overbought or oversold condition. Uh, we reversed a long-standing short uh, on Tuesday. It's not working. Stock's down further. But I think we're, we're seeing a crescendo here. We're as far below the 150 moving average as ever recorded uh, in the stock's history. The other two times when it was 40% uh, below, you got a pretty decent bounce. All right, really quick before we go, Brian, any take on this one? Well, the options activity suggested that maybe we do get a bounce because what we saw were February upside call buying, and that was about 20, 25% to the upside out of the money. A trade like that, you know, when you go out to February or so, to me, or 25% up to the upside is maybe somebody protecting a big short position here and still continually play to the downside, but buying a call because there is some oversold conditions like Carter mentioned here. So to me, that, that trade kind of makes sense. If there was somebody really bullish, I'd probably see something more at the money type call, shorter dated, that we continue to get a bounce. Again, for clients and whatnot, we are more a little bit more cautionary about the markets right now. We've sort of all year long shied away from a consumer discretionary type stock. We do own Tesla for some clients, but definitely on a lower a lower allocation to that area. And so, you know, yes, we are due for a bounce here. Options activity, buyers of calls on the upside, that suggests, you know, maybe the stock gets a bounce here, but I'm still a little, little cautious, a little worried about the stock in general. Mike, final thought from you? Yeah, I think you could just go out to February, buy some 30 Delta calls. If you're going to try to play for a bounce, I wouldn't reach out and buy the stock. All right, so to come, a commodities corner, which could return more in 2023. Shiny gold or dull iron ore? You might be surprised how we play these both with options. And for everything Options Action, check out our website and newsletter. There's much, much more Options Action after this. Stay with us. Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Options Action and the commodities corner of our show tonight. We're looking at two different types of mine earth, both gold and iron ore. Can they bring the same value to your portfolio? Let's find out. We're going to start things off with gold. Brian, you're up first. Yeah, gold's been an interesting story the last couple of months with basically the 10-year interest rates trading lower with basically all of the interest rate curve that trading lower relative to where the Fed funds wants to go or where our Fed governors are telling us they want the Fed funds to go. Gold's sort of been in play. And, and you know what? If you look back historically, if we are headed towards this recession or people feel like that might happen, gold's been the one that sort of has bucked the trend first and started to rally. Because how do we get out of sort of a recession? We print more money or we keep interest rates artificially lower than where they need to be. And so GLD has been one of those plays to the upside. And I think it's kind of broken out here. I'd be looking to use options, though, here. I am long the stock GLD itself, but come next week, I'd rather rotate, play some options because they're pretty cheap. A call spread, I was looking at the Jan 166 call, looking to buy that 
while at the same time selling the Jan 175 call. So basically that call spread is only going to cost me three bucks. And relative to where this stock is moving around, where gold is moving, that seems pretty cheap because my max play here is all the way up to 175. So I'm risking $3 to make six. That two to one payout there seems fantastic to the upside. And I think GLD and gold, if interest rates stay somewhat subdued, at least out to the out part of the curve, the 10 year interest rates stay below 4%, gold will be that first thing that starts to move. And so that's one th item I'm sort of looking to play to the upside here in this market and sort of rotate out of certain different asset classes and into one like GLD. All right, interesting theory there. Carter, any thoughts on this trade or on gold in general? Well, we know this. Look, gold has done its job. We know what? The S&P is down 20% for the year. Gold miners are down 10 and gold is down two. That says it all. Um, but there are uh, opportunities within gold, whether it's an individual miner or whether it's the GDX or GLD. But in principle, one wants to be exposed, I think very exposed to precious metals. Mike, any thoughts on gold or this trade in particular? Yeah, I mean, I'm I am long uh, gold. I am long SLV as well. Uh, you know, I mean, these are both ways I think to sort of make the same play. If the increase in rates slows, then we would expect there to be some support for the precious metals, and you know, this is essentially the way you're going to play that. It's also, uh, as Carter pointed out, I think been a position that's held up on a relative basis very effectively. All right, let's stick with the commodity quarter for just a minute. Mike, you're taking a look at iron ore and an iron ore mining name. Yeah, I was looking at Vale. Now, this is an interesting situation because we have a lot of cross currents going on here. So uh, China is reopening. They're the biggest consumer of iron ore. But as they do that, we're obviously seeing a big increase in uh, COVID cases, a big surge there. And of course, there's a lot of uh, leverage in their system. But, you know, that, of course, is supportive for ore. And we've actually seen that in ore prices, which are up well over 30 percent uh, recently. Another thing that's kind of interesting is that this is relatively cheap. You know, we're talking about a company that's trading in the mid single digits in terms of multiples here. I think the way to play this, given the fact that we have seen that bounce in ore, we have seen quite a good bounce in volley. It's kind of hard to make it out on this chart, but actually the stock is up quite significantly over the course of the last couple of months, is to use a trade that's not uh, unlike the one that Brian was taking a look at. I was looking at February, the 1719 call spread. That would cost about 65 cents. Similar risk reward dynamics. Uh, this is being used because the options on this are not all that inexpensive. As you can see here, about a dollar for the at the money call. Uh, that's just simply because these types of things can tend to move around a bit. And we're collecting about a third of that premium by selling that upper 19 strike call. I think this is the way that you can play for a little bit more upside if ore continues to go higher and if we do see China reopening effectively and, and demand and industrial production up there uh, doing well. Yeah, big if there, though, Mike. Uh, Carter, mm -hmm. coming over to you, what did the charts on Valet say? They're excellent. I mean, obviously, Valet is dominantly iron ore, but it does it all. It does copper, aluminum, gold. Uh, it has all the elements of a bearish to bullish reversal, bottoms before the market and exhibits relative strength ever since. Uh, I like it a lot. I think the formation is clear and the way is higher. All right, Brian, do you have a take on this one? Well, I mean, to Carter's point, not only is the formation clear, but when you look at something like Vale 2008, that thing got shellacked all the way before the recession and after the recession and everything that hit. Vale's turned the corner. It has sort of made higher lows, so so to speak. So the upside seems to be clear. If China does some sort of stimulus on top of what they're doing with the COVID reopening here, which some rumbling, some rumors are that that would happen, you know, Vale 
55% of the revenue comes from China. So that's going to be positive. And I love the call spread. You, you outlay a little bit of premium. You get to play to the upside. It's already made a move. There's some bullishness in the stock. And so I just I love the, the structure of the trade and the play on Bali itself. I'm going to call it the alchemy trade. I think people spend centuries trying to turn iron into gold. We're trying to turn both of them into cash. All right, coming up, our feature trader, Scott Nations, joins us to lay out a modestly hopeful way to play the broader market heading into the new year without risking anything. And here's a live look at Bismarck, North Dakota, where it is currently minus 8 degrees. They usually say 8 below there, real feel of 30 below. Stay warm in front of that TV. You do not want to be out there. Options action. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Options Action. Time for this week's call sheet. For that, we bring in Scott Nations. He's bringing us a hopeful trade for the new year during a seemingly bleak winter. And the kicker here is it doesn't risk very much at all. Scott, happy holidays. What could possibly be a trade in this environment that doesn't risk very much? Well, you know, we, love, we like to use options to get directional exposure. We love to use options to get leverage. But the real value, the best way to use options is to create absolutely unique risk return profiles the sort of thing that we can only create using options. But let's do that. Let's do that in the most important option underlying in the market, that's SPY, the S&P ETF. And we're going to create a unique profile that will, that will uh, generate some value if SPY rallies into the new year, like I think it's going to once we get the, the year past this. Now, we can do this by just buying calls, but we can do a better job. The better way to do that is to... Uh, against a long position in SPY is to use a one-by-two call spread. And with SPY earlier today at 382.25, I bought one of the March 390 calls. I did that at 13.75. But I don't want to just pay for a call. I want to actually generate this without any premium. So I did that by selling two of the March 405 calls, collected $7.20 for each of those. So I'm actually collecting a net of $0.65, the important thing here is the unique payoff profile above three dollars above three ninety. We get some leverage that slows at four oh five. You can see that cap on appreciation at four twenty. The important thing here is there, though is that we never lever the downside. We never get leverage to the downside. So the best relative outcome four oh five. That's usually the case at the short strike. So we're not just creating leverage. We're not just getting directional exposure where we're actually creating a better risk return profile. All right. Thanks a lot, Scott. Carter, what's your take? Well, I think this is just, as Scott said, a testament to using alternative approaches than just being long or short. I myself don't like the market, and I think we have uh, a better chance than even money that we're going lower uh, in the new year and immediately. Uh, But this is a way where you take in money and you uh, sort of play it smart rather than just betting long or short. Brian? Yeah, when you look at SPY and the, the spikes volatility index, it's pretty suppressed. In fact, actually, the volatility is down while the market is down. Historically, that's been a positive sign for the market of making a bottoming process. However, I'm probably a little bit more on, on Carter's camp of being a little bearish about the market. We are short some options for clients as well in, in March, April options, you know, going out in e-mini future options. So certainly selling options that far out, I do like. We'll just see if we can hang on here. You know, with volatility down around 20, the VIX down around 20 here, you know, we'll see. It seems like an opportunity where there's going to be a big move. It's almost like people have gotten too complacent right now. And so I fear once we turn the page on this calendar, this market's ripping significantly higher 
or this is the beginning of the end and the start of a recession, which certainly could happen. Things go sour. We talked about HYG at the top of the hour here, and that was some bearish activity. If that goes south, if credit goes south, so does the rest of the market. So we've got to be a little careful here. Mike, what are you thinking? Yeah, if you're selling the 405 calls, you're really not that optimistic, considering SPY was above 405 earlier this month, and this is going out three months. I think if you're bullish on the market, you could just go out and maybe buy the 400 strike calls. Don't belong the SPY underlying shares or anything like that. Uh, I'm kind of in Carter's camp as well. Scott, can I give you the final word on this one? Uh, I'm going to be long SPY because I'm, I'm an investor. And this is the way to create a better risk return profile as an investor. I, this is the way to be using options, not to just get leverage or directional exposure. All right, there we go. Scott Nations, thank you for that. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Stay with Options Action. All right, welcome back to Options Action. Time for the tweets. Our first, how would you trade the MSOS? It's the Advisor Shares Pure U.S. Cannabis ETF. Attractive put and call options one month out for 10% return on premium, assuming underlying equities hold up on rock bottom valuations. Brian. Ugh, 10% premiums, that seems too good to be true. I'd stay very far away from this ETF and look for it to trade lower. It seems like Enron situation, almost like whatever's going on inside that ETF. Our next tweet, I notice when the dollar index drops, companies like Boeing do well. I'm thinking of getting calls for February. Can you please share your thoughts? What's your take, Mike? It is interesting that uh, pattern that you've identified has proven to be true. I would look out to February. You could just buy some uh, perhaps 30 Delta calls there to make this play. Uh, and I think that's a way to do it with limited risk. All right, time now for the final call. Carter, you're up first. If you're defensive, bold. If you're feeling aggressive, Tesla for a bounce. Brian. Yeah, GLD call spread, play to the upside, baby. Mike Coe, last word. Yeah, volley, call spread, same thesis. All right, happy holidays, everybody out there. That does it for Options Action. Great to be with you. We're back next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. Mad Money with Jim Cramer. It starts right now. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.